Welcome to the USL Show. It's brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and Roughneck Scarves. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, by us, I pretty much just mean me and Sam Sam Stasekul, who uh, was nice enough to talk to me on his drive to Detroit. And we're talking all about that article in The Athletic that he posted all about MLS two sides being pushed down to League One, potentially. And so there's not really much else to say other than uh, that's what this episode is. It's a short one. It's a special interview just because the news is big and pretty much because I'm on uh, vacation and I have the time. So I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sam. All right, I'm on the phone with Sam. Sam, how's it going, buddy? It's going going well, Phil. How are you today? Doing great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, thank you for taking my call. I, I didn't ask you yet, so uh, I'm curious where you're off to right now. You have a long trip, right? Yeah, I'm driving from Boston to uh, Detroit, Michigan. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're making our way. From we'll civilization to the Rust Belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Midwesterner at heart, so. Oh, very uh, nice. Where are you from? You know, I didn't know that. Uh, I'm Chicago originally, but I've been uh, all over the place. So. Right on. Well, I'm a Saint. I'm, I'm a Saint Louisan, but I'm actually on vacation in Florida, so we're both kind of out of our places right now. Look so. at you working on vacation. Well, Impressive. you know, it's a hobby, so I get to do my <laughs> hobby on vacation. <laughs> there you go. I got to clear that up because then I don't get in trouble, you know, if I don't do things as professionally as you. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of that, you have been, uh, as I as I said earlier kind of slumming it down in the lower leagues as of late and um, I brought that to everyone's attention because I really appreciate it Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk to you about and and get it on a podcast at least talking about um, this whole situation about the possibility of two teams going down to uh, league one in the near future do you want to kind of give us an overview of what you wrote recently yeah so the broad story that I wrote in the athletic the other day is just basically all of the MLS reserve teams in the USL championship might be forced into league one by 2021. And there are a lot of moving parts and there are a lot of things at play here, but the overall kind of cliff's notes version of it is that, you know, USL obviously doesn't love the optics of say LA galaxy two or red bulls to, uh, you know, drawing under a thousand people a game. Um, they obviously don't love the optics of, uh, say, Tacoma Defiance running on a bunch of 16, 17-year-olds and getting drilled, or Atlanta United too. Um, and they want to have a viable, real second division full of independent clubs that are being ambitious and trying to win trophies and trying to make inroads in their own, own markets. And obviously, the MLS teams, uh, the reserve teams, they're more for player development, and they're not as concerned with attendance or with results. Um, and all of those things make sense, right? And I don't think anyone's mad about them right Mm -hmm. but i think from usl's perspective they look at those clubs and they say well we think league one's a better fit for you and in terms of what we want the championship to be um you know we want it to be more than that so maybe we can get you down um from the mls club's perspective they say um excuse me we were here when you guys were just kicking things off it didn't really have much of a leg to stand on um we added a lot of legitimacy we've made in some cases um, we've made significant investments in stadiums, um, whether that's building them or renovating them to get them up to standard. Um, and now we're finally starting to get a, a solid return here in terms of player development. And you're going to kick us out into a league that's, um, while you know it, it will it will still have development potential, it won't be quite as good as, as playing against higher level competition in, in the championship. So they're they're like 
what the hell's up with that? You know? <laughs> um, so we'll see how it shakes out. From what I understand, USL would be fine splitting MLS teams. So, for instance, like a Real Monarchs, right? They have their own stadium. They have dedicated business side staff. Um, they draw decently well. Um, they have pretty good results. They're not just running out a bunch of academy kids. Um, they have dedicated USL players and staff and all of that stuff. A team like that might be able to stay in um, under USL's kind of new standards. Um, but MLS, from what a few sources have told me, wants to keep everybody together. Um, so they might all end up, it, it might be a case where, say, two or three teams would meet the qualifications to stay in the USL championship, but you know, five or six or seven or whatever wouldn't. Um, and maybe MLS says, okay, well, we all have to go down to League One. And then it's just sort of an extension, um, a little bit more of an extension of, of the academy system currently. That's interesting. Um, and That's yeah, there are a ton of, there are just a ton of ramifications with it in terms of what happens with the academies and expansion fees for USL. And like, there are just like a million different things here. And it's going to be really interesting to see how it gets sorted out. Without a doubt. And, and that's something I wanted to put a magnifying glass on is is that people are drawing sides and saying all or nothing. And I was going to try to, you know, shed light on that saying your article doesn't say that necessarily. It's saying that if they do meet requirements, they'd be OK with MLS two teams staying. Yeah. Yeah. But it, this is a league to league thing. So yeah. USL and MLS decide this together. Right. Mm-hmm. So they both have to be on board. So, I, I mean, I haven't been you know, I don't know this for sure. But, like, I would imagine if USL says, hey, here are the new standards, here's who meets it. And then MLS says, okay, that's fine, but we don't want two of our teams in championship and seven in League One. We'll just make the two go to League One as well, and all nine will be there. Um, you, I can't imagine um, USL having a problem with that. You no. know what I mean? Yeah, it, so, it's interesting so because I it's... would imagine, like, if MLS wants it to shake out that way, that's probably how it will shake out, I would imagine. <laughs> right. Yes, very yeah. much so. And it's interesting because it's, like you said, it's two leagues. It's two, essentially, businesses throwing all their cards on the table. And it really stinks that if, you know, if all the MLS teams go down, even though three very much want to stay in championship and no one else has a problem with them staying in championship except MLS, uh, you almost wish there would be a gray area or a, or a middle ground that could be found there rather than all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Um, and the other interesting aspect of this is some of these MLS teams are not going to be down for this mm-hmm. at all. Um, Won't acquiesce, and, as quoted in your piece. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, how that battle plays out within MLS, right, and among MLS owners and the guys who are at the league office and will be kind of making those decisions, right, because ultimately they report to Don Garber, who reports to owners. So... You know, who's going to win that power struggle? That will be interesting. That will be really interesting to see. So maybe it is a split. Maybe that's how it ends. But um, And then the other part of this that I think is really important, two other parts. First, um, this could affect independent USL clubs too. So if if they don't have enough business staff, if they aren't making enough investment to really make an inroad in the community or to be good on the field, they could drop as well. And, you know, we've seen clubs do that more or less out of their own volition, I believe. Um, with Richmond and then, you know, Penn FC and and Rochester both coming back from hiatus into League One next year. Um, And I would expect the new standards might affect another USL championship club and independent ones in addition to the MLS reserves teams. So it won't just be the reserve teams that are affected here, although that would be kind of the primary thing. 
Yeah, uh, and like I said, you know, fan reaction is getting very personal, and it is. It's personal to, to fans of, of USL clubs and MLS clubs. Um, but isn't that kind of the best way to go about it, to have an unbiased line drawn in the sand and everyone above it stays and everyone below it goes? You know, to me, that seems very fair and, and the right way yeah, to go I about mean, things. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. You know, like if, if USL wants to have a certain minimum set of standards in terms of what they're looking for from a business and technical um, investments, whether that's facility, whether it's staff, um, whether it has anything to do with what kind of players you're fielding or whatever, then, then yeah, I think I think that should be applied to everybody. It shouldn't just be applied to independents or to MLS owned. Um, so I think that's fair. And then the other part that I forgot to mention that I do want to bring up is that money plays a role in this. Oh yeah, you know, and and I think it would be naive to say that it didn't, right? Yeah. USL is charging, from what I've been told, $10 million for expansion fees for the championship and $1 million for League One. That's a $9 million difference. If there, if nine teams get moved out of the championship and into League One, nine teams that did not have to pay an expansion fee to get into the championship in the first place with these MLS-owned teams, um, then you're creating nine spots, up to nine spots, right? And if you just do the math, right? So that's 90 million versus 9 million in league one. So you're looking at a difference of $81 million. That's, that's not insignificant, right? Um, so that's, that's something that should, you know, people always say, follow the money. That's part of this here too. I don't know if it's the driving factor. Um, it's certainly not the only factor, but it is a factor. Without a doubt. And, and people will talk about MLS doing that. There, there actually seem to be several, several, several business decisions made back and forth. In some ways, like a chess game, it seems like. But between USL and MLS, they'll borrow ideas from each other. They'll, they'll try to outdo each other in certain ways. And I thought that was one of it was my favorite part of your piece, honestly, was pointing out that, that possibility to everybody that, yeah, you drop some, you make a whole lot more money in the near future with, with expansion fees. Yeah, so it's something to consider. It's something to think about. Um, and we'll see. I mean, from what I've been told, this is going to be a topic of conversation at the USL League meetings, which are in Orlando at the MLS All-Star Game, and the MLS Board of Governor meetings, which are also in Orlando at the MLS All-Star Game here in a couple of weeks. So, you know, um, I don't know if we'll have full clarity then, uh, but it's something that, you know, is a current topic of debate. Um, and we'll see. You know, we've got probably a couple of MLS teams, starting teams in League One next year. Uh, with the revolution and from what I've been told some other club that I don't know which one yet but at least one other club um, in MLS looking to start their own League One team um, so it'll be interesting and then the other factor here is is what happens with um, RGV and Reno mm-hmm. who obviously have relationships um, that are sort of in between being owned and just being a regular affiliate um, with Houston and San Jose respectively so that is a little more up in the air um, that would seem to be a rather obvious workaround if you're an MLS team and you want to have a team in the championship, right? Because you're still getting the benefits, at least most of them, of player development. Um, you know, you don't have those guys available to train with your first team all the time because they're not geographically close enough to do that. Um, but otherwise, you know, you're picking picking the technical staff for the most part, picking the players, Um so you can you can get those benefits. So we'll see we'll see how that relationship shakes out if there's any changes there. 
Um, but you know, from a business side, I would imagine USL is fine with those clubs, at least with the efforts they're making. Yeah. Um, whether but, or not those are manifesting in results or not, I don't know. But that's a possible loophole for the future as well, isn't it? So yeah, exactly. you know, that's that's if yeah. you if you do want to get back in a championship, perhaps you can partner up with someone willing to take yeah, care of the and, front and office. And I think duties. again, that would be a situation where USL would probably be fine with. Them. Sure. You know, I don't think they would care too much. Um, but MLS might might have other thoughts on it and and to be frank i don't know what those are or what those would be so yeah it would just be speculation but yeah it'll be interesting to see how those those two relationships in particular play out as well without a doubt and and you mentioned money a little bit ago um one thing if you do follow the money you know i don't I, i meant to kind of warn you about this question but i know the part of this you know the two teams not living up to you know the, the standards that we have that means there's been a bunch of waivers over the years and even some independent sides some guys will want to point out and so i agree well, no i don't think i don't know if that's true because really? they, they meet they meet the u.s soccer standards so that's that's the difference here okay uh-huh. so these teams are meeting the u.s soccer standards right they're all in stadiums with five thousand, right it's just this is more of a u.s this is not the federation second division sanctioning that's uh-huh. not what this is. It's just USL wanting to raise their own league standards for the championship. And I've it heard the term pro standards. Is that just a USL standard? Or is there another governing body throwing that I haven't, out? I haven't heard that term. I mean, okay. like, U.S. soccer has its own standards for second division sanctioning. Yeah. And that's, like, what we saw a couple of years ago with the battle between USL and NASL. Got it. Right? Like, that's what those discussions were about, where you have to have certain stadium requirements. And that's why these MLS2 teams have upgraded their stadiums in some mm-hmm. cases, right? So RSL built theirs, Red Bull renovated Montclair State, um, you know, Sporting Kansas City, right? They had to move Swope out of the stadium they were playing in <laughs> and into Sporting Park, which is kind of counterproductive in my opinion. It is. Um, but, you know, because the other one didn't have the capacity for 5,000, yeah. right? So they, so they had to bring them into Sporting Park to get up to that standard. So the, this discussion is separate from that. That's a U.S. soccer thing. This would be a USL thing. Okay. Well, but I think it makes sense. And this is where this is kind of towing the line anyway. And I know we've dabbled a little bit in our opinions, but I'm going to draw a line here between you and me is we're going to exit the fact finding mission part right now. And I think <laughs> let's just have a discussion about our opinions of how things will go. Sure. But, but whether there were pro or U.S. soccer waivers or not. I know for sure these two teams have been warned that, hey, we're expecting more, we're expecting this, and we're forcing you to move because of these rules that you haven't adhered to that perhaps the USL has put out there. But several teams have decided not to meet those new requirements for one reason or another. Is that something you've heard from any MLS two teams and why and how and all that's been happening? Um, I haven't. Yeah. And I don't even know what those requirements would be. Yeah. I would imagine it's along the same lines of what they're looking at now. I'm hearing things um, about lights and training rooms, if you're ever able to come have a conversation about um, those kinds of things. Yeah. But. No, I know facilities Facilities are an issue for some of these. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, to be fair, some of these MLS2 teams have the nicest facilities in USL. Yeah. Right? Like Atlanta's is, is quite nice. RSL's is quite nice. Mm-hmm. You know, Tacoma is training in the same facility as the Sounders first team. Yeah. Right? Um, they play in a baseball stadium, so that's a little different. But in terms of their training facilities, it's the same as the MLS side. Mm-hmm. And same with Red Bull, right? They have a good facility, I think, um, from everything I've heard. I've never been to Montclair State. Um, but the money they put into that, and they train right alongside the first team as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, some of the facilities I've heard aren't quite up to par there. And that's, you know, it's, it's not a good look for USL when you have, like uh, – you know, to give an example, just out of a hat, like to, to have a team like New Mexico, 
who's drawing 12,000 or whatever it is at their home stadium, go play, say, Sacramento um, on the road and play in front of 10,000 um, and then go play, say, LA Galaxy 2 in front of 500, you know? And one game, it really matters a lot and it means a lot and the guys are juiced up for it. And the other one, they, they're playing at a track stadium underneath, you know, like sun tents mm-hmm. and playing against kids. It's just, it's just like, okay, if we're going to be a serious second division, something needs to change a little bit there. Yeah. And I get where they're coming from that, from that perspective. I also understand where the MLS teams are coming from with, hey, we've been here. We helped you out, and now, you, now we're getting a return, and you're kicking us out. Yep. Like, what the hell, man? You know, so it'll be interesting. Without a doubt. And, and we, we talked about that a little bit before we started recording is that, you know, the MLS teams, we have to give them a fair shake here because they did keep that. They gave the league legitimacy. It kept it alive, perhaps even uh, for several years in, in, in the early days. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, this goes back to what we said earlier. But, you know, I think USL would be willing to work with those teams mm-hmm. to say, hey, if you want to get to this standard, well, by all means, we'll keep you in whether or not MLS will let that happen or not i don't know so yeah we'll see um but the other part of this that we haven't touched on that i wanted to is just the how it affects the academy structure for mls because i was told by execs from a few of the teams that would be affected um that if this happens they would want to eliminate their u19 teams which are currently man they're currently mandated to have by mls um and they would take away their u19s and the redirect those resources towards the 15s and the 17s hmm. and take the best kids from those teams and put them into league one um which is essentially what dallas do now sure. with north texas um so that would be interesting but you know every team approaches this differently right so like red bulls you know they've had great results they've won usl you know and they're doing well again this season right. and they're playing older guys Right. And they're getting those guys used to the system. And we've seen it with Aaron Long, Tyler Adams, uh, Brian White this year, uh, Tom Barlow, um, where they're really getting value out of it, where they're able to plug those guys into the first team and have some success with them on the MLS level. Um, Whereas like, you know, a Tacoma on the other end of the extreme. Right. They're playing 15 and 16 year olds. And yeah, they're signing some of those guys to MLS deals. But it's much more of a developmental thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just interesting because these different teams use these teams differently, right? And while Tacoma or Seattle might still be able to get some utility out of Tacoma um, in League One, maybe not as much as they do in the championship, but maybe they'll still be able to get something out of that. Are the Red Bulls going to get much out of League One with their current setup? Like, Mm-hmm. Probably not. You know, they're doing well in the championship. So yeah. they would probably not get much value out of League One besides, like, just familiarity with the system. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I will push back on that. Not that I disagree with everything you just said. I totally do. And I'll get to that in a second. But I will push back a little bit in that I feel like we're seeing with North Texas only because recently we've seen uh, Pepe and Cervania move from League One straight to MLS and, and yeah. look fine, surprisingly. No, no, no. I'm yeah. saying you can do that. But, like, you know, are the Red the Red Bulls are primarily playing older guys than, like, a North Texas is. Yeah, good right? point. Yes. So, like, are those older guys really going to get much out of being in League One? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um, I don't know. You know? And, like, that's why I was saying, like, maybe Tacoma, you know, you still get that value there. Yeah. Um, maybe it's not quite as much. But, like, if you're doing 23, 24-year-olds like Brian White and Tom Barlow, like, is that is that helping them out? Right. I don't know. 
that's a really good point. And Red Bull, especially, probably more than any other team, almost uses Red Bull too as like just a place to keep people fresh and and strong. Yeah. And they rotate them in more than any other club. We've seen that yep. uh, documented yep. this year. So. I completely agree with that. Um, and, and to be honest, to shift it to men's national team, I'm a huge USL fan, but I'm also a national team fan. I, it really does worry me to lose this place where regularly 15, 16, 17-year-olds can go up against grown men on a high level like USL Championship. What will that look like in League One? And will we get as many Ledesmas and Mendezes, especially now that this, you said this in your article, you know, USL, our MLS sides are finally saying, look, we're getting dividends. We can finally make all our money off of homegrown players and we can show them to all, the whole world on ESPN Plus and used to be YouTube. And um, and we're finally figuring this out. Now you're going to take it away from us. And so, you know, that's happening, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it'll be taken away all the way. Mm-hmm. And, and someone asked me this yesterday, actually, on Twitter. And like it was, it was just sort of the same thing. Well, what about the national team guys? You know, and my sort of answer was was like, listen, if they're good enough to be national team guys, this probably isn't going to stop them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it might hurt the guys who are more on the margins of, like, MLS, right? In terms of their careers. Yeah. Right? Maybe that, maybe maybe it makes a little bit of a difference there. But if you're a 15, 16-year-old and you're good enough to be signed to an MLS deal, right? Like, League One isn't going to kill your career. League right. One versus the championship. Like... So I don't want to make too much out of this, right? Because that's the other part. Like, of course, everyone has preferences. Everyone has things that they would rather do or rather not do. Um, but at the same time, like, if a player is good enough, he's going to be good enough, um, I think, regardless of this. Without so a doubt. That's, that's my takeaway on that one. And then there's also the, the loan to an independent side in championship to get him a little bit higher level, which you see a lot with LAFC sure. is doing with Phoenix, actually which is just like the yep. rest of the world is normal for that kind yeah, of move. Exactly. 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 So, you know, it's a little less control. There's fewer guarantees that, Oh, this kid's going to play however many minutes at whatever position. Right. So mm-hmm. it's not quite as streamlined, Definitely. but, uh, but as you mentioned, the rest of the world makes it work. So I think, I think we would be able to figure it out here too. Yeah. Uh, last topic, the uh, last thing to talk about on this discussion, I'm going to bring it up because, um, someone, I think it was Brian Weigel I was talking to online about this, and he kind of mentioned that, you know, if ProRel was here, this really wouldn't be that big a deal because yeah. it wouldn't be up to the league to push people up and down. It would just be happening naturally by way of play, by whoever's the best team goes where they go, right? Right. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. I just thought I'd bring that up <laughs> in case not, you had some thoughts there. No, no, it was, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it up, actually, because I meant to, and I had forgotten about it, so... Um, no, 100%. You know, if ProRel is here, then we're not even having, we're never having this discussion, right? Yeah. It just sorts itself out on the field. Um, and I think that would be fine, like, personally. Um, you know, but that's not, uh, it's not the reality of American and Canadian soccer <laughs> at this moment in time. Um, you know, as much as some of us might like it to be. And I think there, are, honestly, I think there are a lot of positives um, or would be a lot of positives to it. Um, in terms of developing a culture, developing players. Um, so, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll get there one day, but that day and today, I can yeah. tell you that much. Well, and maybe it's on the docket for discussion in those meetings you mentioned earlier. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No? Okay. Well, I'm crossing my fingers anyway. Um, yeah, the last thing I want to talk about, though, is... Um, 
like I said, you guys are slumming it in the lower leagues a little bit. It's not just you, though. It's Jeff Reuter came to St. Louis and did an article on St. Louis and, and uh, New Mexico United with all the things they've been doing in the Open Cup and more. Uh, Pablo Mar, I don't know if I said his name right, but he uh, did an article recently about David Villa and the Queensboro FC project that might come to fruition. And um, I just, first of all, I just want to say thank you for looking into the USL as a fan of USL. Um, but but I don't know if this is like just a natural progression for U.S. soccer as USL gets better or if you guys are in the athletic are taking definite steps to kind of see if this base has has, you know, worthy is worthy of getting these kind of stories. Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, you don't need to thank us. We're just doing our jobs. Right on. We get paid for. OK. So, you know, that's but thank you for thanking us. That was very nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like the way I look at it is it's like it's my job to cover american and canadian soccer so like this is part of american soccer so it's part of if it's a newsworthy story then i'm gonna go cover it this one happened to affect uh the top three divisions all of them yeah um it's not just the usl story it's a usl and an mls story um and you know there are a lot of ramifications with that and you know the big topic i think this is something I've noticed over the years I've been doing this, not just with the athletic, but with MLS soccer and anybody else that I've written for in the past is that people are really interested in, uh, in player development and structure around it and how things are being done. And this is, uh, USL is a big part of that. And, um, you know, someone mentioned it to me the other day that they think that, you know, one of the better things that could happen for American soccer is if USL teams, independent USL teams really get vibrant academies and really just start behaving like second divisions all over the world, mm-hmm. right? Where you have good players, you bring them up, and you sell them to the first division teams. Um, and I think that would be great. And so, I don't know, maybe we'll get there one day. I think they're making strides towards that. Um, but I think that would be good for the health of the game over, overall in, in the country and the health of the national team. And um, So I'm interested to see how that story plays out um, over the coming years and decades even for being honest yeah completely so, agree yeah. I, I agree with everything yeah. you just said and, and I guess in a way to kind of reiterate it in, in a different way is it's not that you're doing USL a favor it's just that USL is, has become newsworthy at this yeah, point yeah it's a part of, it's a part of the landscape so yeah. you know I mean I'm not going to sit here and watch every game or write yeah. about the teams what they're doing week to week right no that's my but, job um, that's my hobby yeah no there are enough <laughs> there are enough teams in MLS to keep track of I'm busy enough with that league. no kidding but um but yeah, it's a part of the landscape. So what they do affects affects the rest of it, and so it's it's worthy of coverage. But yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, Sam Stayskull of the Athletic. Sam, where can people find you before you go? Uh, yeah, you just said it at the, at the Athletic. Uh, you know, pay that five bucks a month. Just it's just a cup of coffee. You know, it's not <laughs> that big of a deal. I promise it's worth it. And uh, and on Twitter, um, just at my name, which. Uh, which has a J in it. I'll let you. I'll let you guys figure out the rest. But uh, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. easy to find. He's 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 got some uh, status out on on the internet. So <laughs> thanks again, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it and enjoyed the conversation. Anytime, Phil. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you, everyone, again for listening. This is the USL Show brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. We are also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. It's the official scarf supplier of MLS. 
USL and US soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. 